Hello guys, welcome back to Board Raw, episode number 28. We're here. We're here, only two weeks left from now. Football's coming thick and fast at the moment. Yeah man, and then we got the World Cup. Come yeah. on, I'm excited for the World Cup, it's going to be good, it's going to be good shit. Um, wow, big game week just gone by. It was. Um, there was some big results. Some big results, some big comebacks. You know, yeah, yeah. Some unexpected batterings. Yeah, there was a uh, quite a few unexpected results. I think front and foremost of that was the Liverpool result, and then there was a couple of like whoa, like Brighton, like Arsenal, like Man United. It was a good result. So yeah, we'll just go for it all and. Lots to take and lots to discuss. Yeah. Um, where, where should we start? Where should we start from this magical football weekend? Should we start with Spurs? Because we're off the back of the Champions League last night, mm-hmm. where Spurs left it late to qualify for the knockout rounds of, Top of their group. Champions League. So yeah, that group was crazy. It was like all over the gaff. At one point, Sporting were leading, then Spurs were leading, then, then Frankfurt. Frankfurt, then fucking Marseille. And then out of nowhere, um, who was it that scored? Hoiberg. Hoiberg scored the... The winner. The winner. Who scored Spurs' middle one? Fuck knows. I only started watching the last, like, 30 minutes. Oh, Clement Longley. Oh, that but, was um, it, yeah. Yeah, so that was a really good result for them. And um, that was off the back of another really good result. Was it a weekend. good result or is it a good result considering the context of it? Yeah, precisely that one. Yeah, Spurs, what's going on? <laughs> I, like, honestly, so we're talking about uh, Bournemouth 2, Spurs 3. Yeah. And, like, I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did. What your name is. But how the fuck are you going 2-0 down to Bournemouth? Like, you're Spurs, yeah? You're playing this, we're going to say it again, pragmatic, defensive football draw them in, hit them on the counter. I say it all the time. But like, honestly, if you're a Spurs fan, this got to be so draining to watch. And look, there aren't signs of it getting better because this is the Antonio Conte way. Yeah. This is how he achieves success. But he's never going to achieve success in a league where you've got free-flowing, dominant, not, not just dominant, but utterly dominant teams like Arsenal and City in it. And it's... Like what? What is the end result here? Like you trying to sneak a cup? You trying to sneak like some sort of that's, silverware? That's what just appease the Spurs fans by sneaking a cup. But like we said in the preview to this game, that Spurs are going to struggle because they work well against big teams that will come out and dominate the game against them, and then Spurs will just hit them on the counter. But Bournemouth were never going to do that. Bournemouth were going to be equally as pragmatic as Spurs. They started Kiefer Moore and he had such a good game, such a good target man. I've said since day dot that Spurs' centre-backs are pussyos and they got absolutely ran amok by Kiefer Moore. It's time for Hugo Lloris to go. go. Like He needs to go to back to the French League or something because at the minute, and I can't see it improving, he is one of the weak points in their team. Yeah, defensively, that unit is just not strong enough. Like, there are so many good, good, good goalkeepers out there who will win you nine points a season, 12 points, you know. Yeah. And, you know, like, having, I know he's a, like a mainstay in their team. I know, he, like, he's the captain, isn't he? Yeah, that's the problem. Once you've got uh, a weak point of your team that's the captain, like Harry Maguire, like 
kind of Tyrone Mings at Villa, Gerard kind of associated him with the problems. How do you, without causing a massive scene, take your captain out if they're the weak point? Because there was uh, that bust up between Larice and Son. Do you remember that? Mm. And like, so obviously he's, he, he, I mean, he's the captain. He, yeah. He's won a World Cup with France. He he's taken Spurs to the heights that they haven't seen for years. And it's like I say the highest. I mean, they went to got to a Champions League final, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is a hard. It's the hard reality of football is that one day you will not be good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And the Premier League is getting harder and harder. The the level is rising, and it's not just rising; it's rising rapidly. And Loris, unfortunately, it's probably past his best years. Yeah. And we're moving to like it's, I say, we're moving to. We're in the state of football now where you need a goalkeeper who's great with his feet, but is also a phenomenal shot stopper. Mm. And like, Lloris is a, is a good shot stopper, not great with his feet. And like, potentially his, yeah, like you say, his only positive is his, his mannerism on the pitch. Like he is, he, he is a leader. Yeah, yeah. He will bark at his defence and get them organised. But it, 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 surely, if you're like, working in the Spurs' uh, recruitment section right now, you're looking, thinking... We need to get someone. I know they've been looking at uh, Ilion Meslier from uh, I like him a lot from Leeds. And um, we'll get onto him. He had an absolute barnstormer against Liverpool. Yeah, but, um, so yeah, good player. But yeah, there there are so many fantastic, fantastic goalkeepers out there, mm. um, and it's probably about time for Lloris to go. Yeah, I agree. I think the thing with Spurs is they like Liverpool start games very slowly at the moment as well. Like we saw against Marseille last night. Um, as we're recording this, and then in the Bournemouth game, they just don't come out and dominate from the off. And then what that does is it allows the kind of, let's say, the underdog in this game, Bournemouth, to grow in confidence throughout the game, thinking, fuck me, these lot aren't doing anything. Instead of us sitting back where we initially planned, let's push forward a bit more, let's push forward a bit more, let's ping passes around. But that that is almost what Spurs want. But the thing That's is, true. when... When Spurs then do drop deep and they do draw teams out, they don't have that facilitator in the midfield. Getting attacked by a microphone. <laughs> Fucking hell. They don't have that sort of facilitator in the midfield who will allow them to, to, to from like to transition from defensive to attack in one pass. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that person arriving on the edge of the box from that midfield, and they're they're wide players, they're wing backs, who should be perhaps the most important players on the pitch in that Conte system. They're not getting up quick enough. And they're not having the influence in the game that he needs them to. Yeah. And I and I think it all stems from that lack of midfield stability. I think they're a better team with Basuma in the middle. Yeah. Because um, in this game, they moved to a more um, like central... I think they put Basuma on when it was all going a bit tits up. And then they had that three in the middle. And yeah, that allowed them to kind of regain control in the midfield because yeah like you said they were just getting dominated in the midfield and they don't have any like they don't have good enough uh, ball playing centre backs to allow them um, to progress up the pitch quick enough either mm. um, but like when like you say they want to draw teams out they want to sit back but they want to sit back and like almost play it around the back and cause teams to put a, bring a man forward in order to sort of like close down the ball close down the passing yeah. channel but they don't have that quality around that, that area um, and yeah, I mean, without Son on the pitch, or maybe Lucas Moura as well, they don't really have blistering pace. No, like Kulusevski isn't the fastest like winger ever in the world. He's a great mm. ball carrier, but he's not he's not electrically quick. Yeah. Son is, 
but he can't seem to be able to arrive at the right times at the minute. And it's probably just down to, I don't know, like maybe just a bit of bad run of form. Well, I was going to say this. The problem as well that they are facing at the moment is that in the past, it would be Harry Kane, Son, let's say Lucas Moyer or Kulisevsky would get them through games just in moments of brilliance. Whereas now, Harry Kane is arguably the only informed player they've got. Son is so out of form, it's a joke. He went off concussed last night. So I hope that's not too bad. But um, yeah, so Son is just not doing anything, not firing at all. They're swapping between Kulisevsky, Richardson and Lucas Moura. None of them are really grasping that place, either through injury or poor form. And the problem is, they're getting found out now that they have no plan B. It's either moments of brilliance from the front lot or nothing. And, it's and not because consistent. the front lot aren't doing anything. You can't... They're called moments of brilliance because they're moments of brilliance. Mm. And you can't rely on that to win you games every week unless you've got a player like Lionel Messi. Yeah. Harry Kane is, is a phenomenal striker, but he's not going to win you every game off of his own back because he is very much a team player. He needs he needs the players in yeah. and around him to be able to facilitate him scoring goals and getting involved or like... Well, that's get involved like last deep week in the when you said like he's only had one assist all season. And that's, that's pretty much like... Um, telltale this that he needs people to get on the end of he's he's probably still doing the passes and looking for opportunities but there's no one no one that's taking their chances like they had 23 shots in this game and only seven on target that is so bad it is it's it's swiping at yeah. half chances because they're not getting into those good areas and i think that almost comes down uh like stems down from uh conte's pragmatism because yeah. he wants them to uh, to have these passages of play where they can one, two from a left centre back into the middle and then find a, a wing back out right, out wide, sorry. Mm. Um, but it's just not happening. Yeah. And like, we are seeing the results of that because you look at previous seasons under different managers where Saint, uh, Kane and Son have been unbelievable. Mm. The link up play is there but they're not getting the opportunity to play those dynamic passes, those quick one-twos or those through balls, you know, those cutting through balls that Harry Kane is so good at. He'll literally pick up the ball in the middle of the park and find Son running in behind because you see the video of him and Thierry Henry. Yeah. Henry's like, you didn't need anything. You knew where he was going to be. Mm. You had it in your head, a photograph of where he yeah. would be, but we're not seeing that now. Yeah, they're not. The Yeah, the play is too slow in my opinion and that stems from not having ball players in the middle but you need like if you're a Spurs fan you should be dominating teams like Bournemouth and they did dominate they had 69% possession they had you know 23 shots 7 on target but I mean Bournemouth had 6 shots but 4 on target and so clearly all what that possession the area, comes yeah. pretty much as soon as Bournemouth go 2-0 up Bournemouth kind of shit the bed and are like let's try and defend this lead and then that obviously just invites Spurs on. And Spurs are like on the verge of being embarrassed. So they have to push on. And that just kind of cancels 19 out. 19 corners as opposed to Bournemouth's two. Yeah, 19 corners is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy, crazy. But yeah, I mean, if you're a Spurs fan, it's going to be a long season for you. But the only benefit is, is that like you've got through the Champions League group stage. You're not far off. Like, I mean, how many points are they behind Arsenal now? Like seven. Seven points. I mean, you know two wins in a row and Arsenal drop a couple of points and you're, you're like right up neck and neck with them. Yeah. And that, that is the Antonio Conte way is to sort of like sneak through until it comes to the end of the season. You're like, what the fuck is Spurs doing here? They're only like seven points behind. Yeah, yeah. With like eight games to go. I'm intrigued as to what Spurs fans think about 
the style of play and kind of Conte now that I think he hit a year in the job yesterday and like a lot of people saying he inherited a bit of a mess and I don't know if that's true but he's definitely like galvanised the team and like they are a more cohesive unit like at the end of Nuno's tenure it was just a mess they were like fucking all over the place all over the gaff they didn't really know any like there was no identity. Apart from Son and Kane, there was like no starting midfielders, no starting defenders, no starting wing backs. Whereas at least Conte now kind of knows, apart from maybe in fullback positions, his starting centre backs, his two midfielders, and definitely Son and Kane. So Conte, in that sense, has kind of brought us stability. Yeah, there's stability and there's clarity now. But the style of play, I saw um, on James Lawrence. Uh, YouTube video today I think he was talking about oh no it was a reaction to last night's Marseille game and um, he asked Spurs fans what they'd rate Conte's year out of 10 and uh, I think the general consensus was 8 out of 10 and I thought that was a bit it's a bit high I think that was a bit high I think they're all just a little bit gassed after the Marseille game because for me that style of play is only good if it returns and obviously he hasn't got to the stage now where it can return yet he needs to get to a final and we'll see come May if it does return. But if you go a whole season watching that style of football and you don't get and you don't get anything, you're gonna be fucking blood clot. I'll be fuming. He like it's they, like a year of your life wasted. You know they brought in Richarlison and people were saying Son came Richarlison Kulusevski like it's an electric attack. They should like won the best in the Premier League. But mm. we're re- we're not seeing it. And like the only person who's really out of that attack has had a decent season is Carrie Kane. Yeah. You know, well, it's crazy because when he immediately took over in that kind of like period from the, the mid like three quarters into the last season towards the end, they had like the most attacking team yeah. like in the world. They were on fire going forward. I don't know what's happened to that. They they've lost that kind of excitement. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that is in line with Kulisevsky being injured, maybe, because he brought a lot. Yeah, I mean, he he had an absolute barnstormer towards the end of last season, didn't he? He was, mm. like, potentially the signing of, like, of January. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's a weird one. And you want to see those players, those attacking players, get the most out of them, because they are exciting assets. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Stinky times. Well, not really stinky times, is well, it? Well, no, because they, ha- I mean, they, they, they had the comeback and then they just qualified from the Champions League. Yeah, 100%. It's so weird, man. It's they so were having stinky weird. times. They lost to Newcastle and then they lost to Man United. Who did they lose to? They lose, they, lost to Man- they lose to Man United? Yeah, so they had those two and it was stinky times. But now, arguably two pretty shitty performances, but two wins... And two important wins. So I mean, maybe it's looking up. Maybe if you're a Spurs fan and you get top four at the end of the season mm. and you get to, uh, you know, the quarters or maybe the semis of a Champions League, you'd yeah. be, fo- I think, like from the outside looking in, I think that's a good season. Yeah. But yeah. we know what they're gagging for and it is silverware. Yeah. And I'd like, just put all your chips into like the FA Cup basket or something. Get the Carabao Cup out, mate. Yeah, literally just any trophy just to... Yeah, appease I don't know. The fans. Appease the fans. Uh, should we grab another game before we quickly yeah. break off for a little breather? So we mentioned Elan Meslier's um, absolute man of the match performance against Liverpool. What's going on with Liverpool? Because we saw them drop points to Nottingham Forest. 
Drop points there, lost. Lost to Nottingham Forest. And then you think, whoa, that was a, a blip. Let's go again against a Leeds team that have looked pretty shocking recently. Well, like, meh. They have they they they've actually played well, but just the results haven't come. Yeah, they've had a couple of bad performances. They've had a couple of good performances. They were great against Arsenal, but they were out of form, and arguably so are Liverpool. But um, Liverpool at home would look at that Leeds game and be like, "Fuck me, let's do what we did against Bournemouth. Let's do what we did against Rangers. Let's do a statement win and kickstart our season." But no. It's it's very concerning for Liverpool. Um, we spoke about this in previous podcasts. They have a lot of issues off the ball in terms of like how they're pressing. That we've seen them change from a four-three-three to a four-four-two to like a four-four-two diamond in order to sort of like invigorate this press mm. that's sort of been non-existent. Like th- when Liverpool were Liverpool, we know they were winning the ball. Their their um, ball retention higher up the pitch was phenomenal. And they're also their um, uh, re- their high high press regains at the top end of the pitch were the best in the world. Like so, Regain. they were winning the ball back like relentlessly, yeah. just in positions that they shouldn't do, and that's not worked. And Klopp has obviously tried to shift the system to be able to get that to facilitate that to happen again. Um, they've tried putting Salah in a more central position. They've tried moving to that four four two, allowing him to play more centrally as sort of like a number nine. Um, but that's not really worked either. But the thing is, though, they've beaten City, right? The City's only lost this season. Yep. Napoli's only lost this season. Napoli's only lost this season last last uh, night. So they can perform. Yeah. But it's almost in these like these games where they're not expected to, and then when the expectation comes, they struggle, play. Yeah. Like in the Leeds game, they actually played all right. They had they were very dominant. Yeah. There's a lot of they had a lot of chances. Uh, they dominated the ball but yeah it's I don't know it's just weird and I think the internet, uh, this World Cup break can't come quick enough for Liverpool yeah 100% and I I was listening to uh, the TFO football podcast and uh, Seb Stafford Bloor he was talking about when Klopp was at Borussia Dortmund in one of his uh, final seasons Dortmund were shocking for the first half of that season until they got reached the winter break and Klopp took that time during the winter break to reassess everything steady the and shit. shed yeah literally took that time to steady it up and then they come out the other end of that and they had a phenomenal end to the season so I mean potentially we can see likeness here with Liverpool and I think it, like yeah the, the uh, World Cup can't come soon enough for them but another uh, one positive from their season is obviously Erling Haaland's come to City and he's absolutely blown everything out of the water we spoke about this with Harry Kane like Harry Kane's had a great start to the season but everything is just overshadowed by Erling Haaland Darwin Nunez has actually had a really good start to the season he's had 7 goals in 15 games he's only actually started 8 of those uh, 15 yeah I'm still not sold on him I don't think he does enough with the ball at his feet for what Liverpool need as a, a striker I think when we first he first got linked and then eventually signed for Liverpool we were thinking of him as just this target man that would just fucking nod in Trent crosses every day and that hasn't come to fruition, both because Trent has been absolutely shite, and but because Klopp wants more out of his central striker than that. He wants he wants the Bobby Firmino. Yeah, he wants time. pretty much like a twenty-two-year-old Bobby Firmino, and Darwin Nunez. Uh, Darwin Nunez is nothing like that. His technique on the ball is so sporadic and kind of 
His legs look like fucking little spaghettis, mate. He but he is fast. He's he's rapid. Have you seen the clip of him going back to defend? Yeah, yeah. Mate, you've got burners. Did you see the tweets about um, who would win him or Erling Haaland in a race and it's got like the statistics. He's faster. <laughs> and it was like, you literally just gave us the fucking answer. Yeah, like, you pick the guy that's a little yeah. bit faster. But um, yeah, for me, he doesn't do enough as a central striker in this Liverpool system. Either you get a, a cam that does what Firmino does and then allow him to just literally just go hang or you play him somewhere else because maybe in like a, a two up top because for me, if you rely on him to do the central kind of link up play, it's an L man. He's, he's, too, he's too rash. And so that's my problem with Darwin Nunez. Also, I don't think his shot conversion is very good. He snatches a lot. But my problem with Liverpool as a whole is that going forward, I think they're still fine. They create, like you said, hella chances still. And I don't think their chance creation... Obviously, Salah's a little bit out of form. they got no Diaz. So they're, they're lacking in that area. But like chance creation is still fine. The problem is defensively, they would like concede maybe one chance a game. And Van Dijk would dominate everything else. They are conceding so many chances every game. They're allowing teams to have like four or five clear-cut opportunities per game. And Allison's not going to... He's still a quality goalkeeper and he's probably the best out of that defensive unit still. But like, if you go from conceding one clear-cut chance to four or five every game, you're going to start conceding two or three, whereas you might have conceded none or one. And so you're making your job so much harder. So a lot of the blame, in my opinion, is... Van Dyke and whoever he's partnering, Joe Gomez or Matip. They gotta get there. Um We're literally recording in the middle of a storm, bro. Yeah, I don't know the what storm the fuck's is going a little on. bit rough. But yeah, Van Dyke's got to pull his finger out of his ass because he's been shit this season. That rounds up this bit of segment. Van Dyke pull it out, mate. Um yeah, we're gonna come back, we'll talk about some more football, surprisingly enough. Let's go. Football podcast. Fuck this storm. We're back. And now we're time now we're time? Now it's time to talk about the return of Graham Potter to the Amex. Brighton 4. Potter's Chelsea in 1. Yeah, it was an L for Potter. Did you see he was getting absolute burners by the um by the press? Yeah, by all the just everyone. The Brighton fans were on his ass. And then he came out in the post match saying I don't know many owe them anything. Don't owe them anything. I was like, mm. You probably do it a little bit. It was a bit. It was a bit quick how he did leave. Yeah. Um. But like he did develop them into a to a much better football oh, club yeah, than 100%. they were before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like you say, he doesn't owe them anything. Yeah, I think his. I think I saw a tweet where this the a Brighton fan. He was obviously pretty butthurt, but was like um. Last season, when Graham Potter had like a, I think it was like a twelve-game no-win stretch. A lot of managers would have got the sack. So he was like, oh, Potter, you owe us for not sacking you. And I was like, he'd already done enough to kind of warrant a 12-game barren spell and getting away with it. But like, there's obviously ill feeling on both sides. But um must be nice for Brighton to absolutely tump his new team. Yeah, deserve ball in full effect here. Leandro Trossard... He's having the season of his life. Yeah, there's a it'll lot be, of players outside the top six. It'd be uh, him and uh, Almiron and Iwobi for Ballon d'Or for yeah, me. Yeah, it might be, it might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chelsea, 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 you've got problems. 
Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Fucking Raheem Sterling. He's shit in the bed, mate. 50 million. Did Graham Potter play him at wing back? Because that's that, an L. Yeah, that's where he is playing. That is an L. How's um, that happened? Yeah, it's just not... Oh, I don't know, man. If you watch... <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that Sterling is better at the other end of the pitch. Yeah. He's not... He, he is brilliant when he's on the shoulder, sitting between uh, the wing back and the centre back and breaking those lines. That is when he is best. You look at all his goals for City. It comes on those like those runs or him arriving at the far post. Yeah, but he's not. He's not getting that opportunity uh, because he's playing right wing back. Um, yeah, it's just a bit weird. I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to take time. Yeah. But you've got so much quality in that team that you should be. You shouldn't be losing four one. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like a hard one to kind of fully dissect. But like we said last week. They've almost started at a disadvantage because they got Potter in post-transfer window. And this team is so clearly not a Graham Potter team at the moment. He's got players in there that I think never in a million years would he have signed. The likes of Aubameyang, the, the likes of... I don't think Koulibaly's a player that Potter likes. I don't think the likes of Jorginho is a player that Potter likes. And so I think this is kind of like Chelsea have just got to eat their own their own humble pie really. yeah literally yeah. you've because, got to splash um, the cash and now you sort of like do something with it yeah because he's got to get more out of this team obviously like you said there's so much quality in there but and i think it'll be good for them to have the world cup break because he can kind of be like fuck me this is bad figure out who's who and what he needs but yeah i think they're still going forward they're still not there I don't know if Potter's the guy to sort out going forward because... At Brighton, his forward play wasn't conventional at all. Mm. It worked because of the players he had in and around that. Yeah, the I don't think it's like a, a style that you can like, put on people. Danny it's, Welbeck, you know. Yeah, it's a very like kind of player-centric style that would, like you said, only work because of the personnel that he had. And I don't think these Chelsea players, don't want to be mean, but have the kind of like IQ, like... I don't know. I just don't think like a front three of Aubameyang, Sterling and let's say Havertz. That doesn't scream out to me as kind of like a smart, It doesn't seem like something that would have like very much chemistry between them. They're all very different players. You that just strikes me as vibes. You would get three different, like they those players would suit three different teams. Yeah, 100%. They just strike me as like a kid on FIFA, ultimate team, just vibes. These yeah. players are good, expensive players. And like, yeah, it's just like they could, they all suit kind of like Raz, like you said, sits on the line and kind of breaks lines. Aubameyang does the exact same thing in the exact same position. So why you got both of them? And then Havertz is kind of like a centre forward, but you're not playing a, a formation that allows a centre forward. So none of them are working. And then you've got Mason Mount who does kind of everything, but a lot of everything, but not, like not enough of anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I think just going forward, they've got a lot of, if buts and maybes, but no Sadio Mane. <laughs> I think um, an interesting conversation. You, you said that um, the international break would be good for them because Graham Potter will be able to work with his team consistently. I think if you look at the number of games teams have played this season so far already, and obviously Chelsea are competing in the likes of the Champions League mm. uh, and you know the FA Cup, League Cup, whatever, Premier League. Um, managers are coming in and they've got maybe they've got between rest days and between match days, you know, travel days, they've got maybe 
at most two, a yeah. two day window where they can work with the team. Yeah. So it's really hard to drill into a team what you want them to get out of them yeah, in that sort of short space of time because you've got two days and then you've got uh, a, like, a recovery day then a match day and then yeah. you've got re- recovery day and then you've got maybe another two days and then you're off and you're playing in Europe. So to have that consistency and being able to like drill especially a, t- a, a manager like Graham Potter who is so systemic he, yeah, yeah. his success is, all comes down to the systems that he implements it doesn't pose a good like it just poses problems because it is so in and out in and out um mm. but yeah i mean yeah a lot of it is down to him not having the time yet yeah and so the world cup coming up can only be good things for yeah 100 percent. um because even though he, a lot of the team will be away with their international the players that will remain yeah will i get think to, have a fair few still and it's, i almost imagine that it's easier for players to learn by seeing the players around them doing something than it is for them to just see the manager explain it to them on a whiteboard, you know? Mm, yeah. So the players who will remain and will get involved yeah. in, in the training drills, you know, and that will... You, you'll probably see a lot of players come back from the World Cup and lose their spaces in their regular sides. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Because the players that they got to work with, he's probably going, actually, that fucking guy who, who's been sat on the bench for like... You know, 10 years, yeah. Like yeah. seven weeks. He's yeah. actually doing what I'm telling him to. Bring back Danny yeah. Drinkwater. Mate, honestly, so yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting as well for like managers like uh, Unai Emery. Yeah, he's going to get a little bit of time to work with the Villa squad now. So yeah, it's going to be it'd be very interesting. I can imagine after the World Cup, we're going to see a lot of movement in that Premier League table, which we probably don't expect. Yeah, hundred percent. I think like yeah, it'll be good for the teams lower down the league that have less internationals because those managers will have more time with as near to a full squad as they can like possibly get. Whereas, like, teams in the big six where, like we said, say, like, all of their starting 11 are at the World Cup or near enough, then it's a problem. Whereas, yeah, the teams lower down will have a nice month break to impart some systems, do some rejigging, and, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, a team who's done a lot of rejigging in terms of the Premier League table, bloody Eddie Owl's boys, mate. Yeah, I, I don't even... I don't even know what to say about Newcastle. I I thought I was being optimistic in my season predictions, giving them seventh. But genuinely, I can't see how they don't get top four. Oh, that is mental, isn't it? I can't see how they don't. Because to me, they ran over Spurs. I think they'll run over United. I think they'll run over Chelsea. And the only teams I reckon they'll struggle against are Liverpool. Like, so Liverpool got a, a joke of a win against them earlier in the season. And then City and probably Arsenal. And I'm a little bit worried about playing them, not going to lie. So, if they can just keep battering the teams lower down the league like they did 4-0 against Villa. A snatch result here or there against... The big six. Then I don't see how they don't get top four. (laughs) Because, like we said, the form is good of the whole team. And then players are running super hot. The likes of Almiron, the likes of Callum Wilson, Bruno Gumeresh. They're individually running like way above their level anyway so it's like this all without Alan St. Maximan who was their their star player yeah so everything is just cooking, cooking. yeah they are cooking the, with gas at, at the right time as well mate and like Chelsea the World Cup is very exciting and probably perfect timing for them for Newcastle it could prove to be a bit of a momentum killer and they've got internationals in their team Sven Botman will be with Bruno um, yeah, Bruno will be gone. Callum Dan Wilson, Byrne, poten- potentially. Dan Byrne and Callum Wilson, Trippier could all be gone for England. So 
that could be a bit of a killer for Newcastle. But Callum Wilson has to go for me. Oh yeah, hundred has to go, especially if he's carrying this sort of heat into the yeah, World Cup. Yeah, fucking bench Harry mate, Kane, mate. Callum Wilson would do murders in Qatar, mate. Um, but yeah, no, nah, Eddie Howe's boys looking electric and. Um, wasn't the start that Unai would have wanted, but... He actually wasn't on the touchline for this game. Yeah, I mean, he's not... Yeah, I think today, was it? Yeah, I think today or yesterday was his first day on the job. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Villa do, because Villa is sort of a very uh, Unai Emery team. Sort of like mid-table, the mid-table strugglers, and he gets a lot out of those players. Yeah, it's like a team that is kind of mid-tabling, but they have quality. some quality players... Arguably, this is like the team that, apart from maybe Arsenal, but I think that was when he joined us. It was just before we started spending decent money. Off the back of Wenger as well. Yeah, so he's never really been at a club, maybe apart from PSG, but he didn't make too many signings at PSG, I think. Was he the manager that got Mbappe? Uh, No, Neymar or Mbappe? He might have been one of them, but obviously at PSG, it's not really the managers making that decision. It's kind of just the owner. I feel like if you... As a manager at PSG, you're just it, like every win is just putting off your demise. Like you will yeah. never win, at, like you'll never come out of being PSG's manager unless you win the Champions League and uh, league uh, and all like domestic like competitions yeah. in the season. You won't come up the back of that season with anything like to show for it. Yeah, but so Unai Emery's never really been at a squad where he's allowed to kind of dictate the transfers and build his own team. He's either inherited a team. Or he's kind of inherited a team and then kind of signed like bit part players or made bit part players and then kind of sold them on. And at, um, Villa, was it Villarreal or Valencia? Villarreal. Villarreal. He kind of inherited a squad and then made some very shrewd signings in the likes of Coquelin, Capoue. Um, and then they got like people coming through the academy like Yeri Pina. And so he's never really had the opportunity to... I think Villa will give him hella funds. They've got a lot of money. And as we've seen in the transfer windows in like the last two years, they spent a lot of money. Arguably not wisely, but they've made some good signings and got unlucky with the likes of um, Diego Carlos getting injured, um, Kamara getting injured. And so they've had a, a combination of no luck and some pretty stupid signings like Coutinho one. In theory, doesn't really make sense. And so I think it'll be exciting for Emery to have a team full of players already that are at quite a good level, but underperforming because he'll be able to kind of put his style, get them playing and then also have the opportunity to go into the market in January and sign some, sign some exciting players. I think you saw, you know, you said the Coutinho signing made no sense. You seen they've been linked with fucking Eden Hazard. Yes, I did see that. I did. I did see that. Mental. And it's like, at least Coutinho was playing and he'd just come off the back of that loan at Bayern Munich where he's actually quite good. So he was still at like a decent level, at a decentish age. He was under 30. Eden Hazard just Eden Hazard hasn't problems. played proper football for about four years and he's got to be on like the wrong side of 30 at the moment. And he, he's, it'd just be money, money, money. Oh, it's like, so just, stupid. Let's... let's we're in an age of smart investment. There are so yeah. many talented players out there. Um, yeah, just... I know it sounds fantastic. and it, it sounds glorious. Eden Hazard in a Villa shirt yeah. back in the Premier League. But... For oh. me, if you're signing anyone that's kind of 
nearish 30, they've got to be top 10 in the world or it's just not worth it because you get no resale value. Well, exactly. It's going to be, you know, if Eden Hazard comes over, he's going to be on more than like 200k a week and then he's going to end up getting injured or being shit and that's it. He might come over and be absolutely quality. Uh, yeah, and but we, I just don't think he's at the level anymore. I don't think the the Villa team around him can supply him with the endless opportunity he needs. And he won't hit 20 games a season. He's just too injury prone. Yeah, he's too injury prone and he's out of shape. That's not what he need. Um, so, but yeah, especially yeah. for Villa. I mean, he doesn't strike me as a very Unai Emery signing. No, I think he'll write that off completely, to be fair. But yeah, interesting times at Aston Villa. Exciting times, I guess, if you're an Unai Emery fan. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, think it'd be exciting times for Villa, exciting times for Newcastle. So it's happy days for both of them. Right. Arsenal 5, Forest nil. Is there too much to say about that? Forest capitulated. Arsenal, just dominant, dominant, dominant. Martinelli is insane. Saka went off injured. Yeah, I'm sad for the boy. Uh, Rumor he's pitching in training today. Yeah, rumour has it is not as bad as it um, kind of first was worried. But then my guy, Reese Nelson, who's been loaned out all over the gaff. A lot of people have had like, words to say about him that he's not good enough a lot of managers have shown a lot of faith in him I think when Freddie Lundberg was in charge for that period he said we need to somehow integrate Reese into the team he is like an outrageous talent I know Arsene Wenger was a big fan of him even Emery before um, he got loaned to Hoffenheim was a big fan of him so he's had a lot of managers back him but for one reason or another it's not worked injuries or just out of form not clicking it's not worked but I like I like what he offers. He's so direct. And where Saka is direct, he's like t- direct in a different way. Saka is so aggressively just dribble past a player. Whereas I'd say Reese Nelson's tech level is higher. He's got he's more techy on the ball. He'll show you inside, show you outside. He'll, I don't know, f- do like a fake pass. So he's got more tech. And that brings its own... It's kind of like Martinelli, but a bit less um, kind of direct and a goal-scoring threat. They're just two techie dons, and I like that. Whereas Saka is... Direct. I'm going straight at your neck. But um, yeah, I'm happy for Reese Nelson. And Happy with a 5-0 win? Yeah, mate. We fucking tumped them. For us all over, I do (laughs) apologise. Sorry, boys. Um... Rounding out the uh, weekend of fixtures was Man United versus West Ham. It's another Wait, good result for Man United. I saw a very interesting statistic and put it, take from me. it what you will. So it was expected. Well, it was points gained against, um, and then it was valued by the position of the team that the that the team who gained points had played. So like. The teams that Man United have uh, played were average position of eighth in the Premier League. Okay. And the teams that Arsenal played were an average position of twelve. That's gone. So if you sort of the shit dons. So if you like multiply the points by the average position, or whatever, might or like divide it. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah, it worked out that Man United have actually earned like a higher value of point per game than Arsenal beating better teams. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, or gain points against higher like yeah. Um, interesting because United. What do you want to say? What I want to say is, are United actually good? Yeah, no, I, I think Ten Hag is doing something. I think they started off the season, got absolutely walloped by Brighton and Brentford, and I think our problem last year and the start of the season was 
That defensive unit is fucking shit. Harry Maguire is clueless. Luke Shaw, who I've said a number of times, is a very good player. No IQ. But his IQ is pretty low. So you put the two together. It's a nightmare. Whereas Lissandro Martinez, his footballing IQ is so good. So you put him next to Luke Shaw and you see it works. Luke Shaw was taken out of the team and Tyrell Malassio was playing. But I think Ten Hag must have seen in training that Luke Shaw is a better player than Malassia. So he was like, fuck me. I need to get Luke Shaw back into this team. So he must have been to like Martinez and been like, just tell Luke Shaw how to play football throughout the entire game what he needs to do yeah. because he's worth too much going forward to not have him in the team. And so now you can see that Martinez and Varane, Varane's injured now, but that defensive unit, I think Dallow is playing out of his skin at the moment. Dallow is unbelievable, yeah. And then De Gea, who last season was having a pretty average season, I'd say De Gea is having one of his best seasons in a Not while. Not in this main provisional squad. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. He's like got to be like 35 now, unless you want to take him for just like experience and vibes. But yeah. I think there's a lot of Spanish goalkeepers kept his back in form now. I just want to go back to my previous it. point, yeah. You can only play who's put in front of you, so that, that statistic has to be taken with uh, a pinch of salt. Um, but yeah, I mean, Marcus Rashford as well. Like, you potentially make a little uh, last minute <laughs> yeah, dash nah, towards that England. Yeah, he goes line. to the World Cup. For yeah. me, I take always... Like, if I was a manager, I would never... Like, what Gareth Southgate's done is kind of relied too heavy on players that have done well for him and kind of, like, hamstrung himself in that he has to go back to these players even if they're out of form. If I was an England manager, I would literally put, on like, table. 20% of it on players that uh, have done me well and then 80% is just all who's in good form yeah because it makes no sense to bring someone that hasn't played football or is like down in confidence and everyone's just on their back all the time over someone that is literally scoring for fun you fucking like hit one off of his arse and it goes in because he's in that hot of form why would you not bring that guy? So yeah, I don't know. If I was a manager, I just yeah, like you said, form guide and then. Just I go mean, crazy. you look at you look at the players that are in form. They bring an intensity to their play because everything that they're playing off of instinct because yeah. they are at that level of like, and it's very hard. Like only the best, best, best players in the world can consistently do that. Yeah. So when a player is in that peak form, and like the thing is, like if you come, so if you bring Rashford, yeah, and he starts the first game, yeah, he's in hot form, and he shits to bed. Like, fuck him off for the rest of the yeah, literally. It doesn't matter. Yeah, literally. You've got, you've got like a fucking 25-man squad. And Don't you've got the matter. buffer of having a pretty easy group as well. So you have time. The, yeah, you have time to batter the likes of Iran and whatever by testing out we, what, what works. Yeah, you should be able to play four at the back during every group stage game because we are that much better as a squad than the other teams in our group. And you can test out who's in form. You could, if Callum Wilson doesn't see a minute in the group stages, I'm going to fucking throw fists. I don't know who or why, but it was like when he took Ivan Tony for the last set of games and then he didn't see a minute. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why, why the hell is, why the hell are they going? Just we spoke about this in previous podcast, so he likes apparently to bring, he himself was brought along um, to England squads not to play but to experience and learn about the togetherness of the team mm. like fuck that off man this is a football team bro we want to win this shit especially because it's international football and it yeah. comes every four fuck years off, or whatever we ain't got time for that you need to fucking just bring killers yeah man no vibes kill them yeah but yeah. um yeah Man United looking good West Ham looked alright actually they were the better team this game but 
that's again testament to Man United, United and they've got miles. like decent resolve, decent defensive stability. Casemiro has come in, hit the ground running immediately. Looks like the missing piece of the puzzle that they've been looking for for like five years. I don't know why they've left it so late because. To be fair, I don't want to be like, oh, the midfield of Casemiro and Pogba would be outrageous. It would, but that's a different discussion. The Ericsson, Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes midfield is also pretty good. So. That is the present. Um, we're about to leave you in the present as we take another break and then we'll be back with our predictions. for the. As I was saying before, I was so rudely cut off. We're about to bring you our predictions for the future. Bosh. And by future, we mean the next game week's predictions kicking off on Saturday, 5th of November. Only two more game weeks until the World Cup is upon us. Remember, remember the 5th of November. Bosh, man. Fireworks night. Whole type Guy Fawkes. Um, Leeds versus Bournemouth. <sighs> That's two teams. Where you... uh, I don't know, man. It's just like, <laughs> like I just wouldn't want to watch this. Nah, two teams. That, um, there's goals in this game. I'm going to just hit you off the bat. It's a Two a f- a three two leads another three two for Bournemouth yeah. losing on yeah. the losing end of yeah. mad. Uh, I'm gonna go oh. actually three one leads. I think this is gonna be a tighter game than we think. I think it's gonna be a one all draw. Okay, fuck that two all draw. Ah! Yeah, goals man. <laughs> what did I say three one? Okay, yeah. nice. All right, um, Man City versus Fulham. Erling Haaland potentially back for this game. Yeah, I so mean, he's not playing tonight in the Champions League. I think, though, if you're, I don't if think you're Peppy he, boy... I don't think he plays it. If you're Peppy boy, you might allow it. I don't know, because Haaland doesn't have the World Cup. So even if you do pump him for the painkillers, get two more games out of him, he's got a nice month break anyway. He's going to want to score goals, isn't he? Exactly. He's a goal like, machine. If he gets into the World Cup break and he's already on, like, 20 goals, that's tapped. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for a, a City battering, I reckon. City battering. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go four nil Man City. So I was just checking out the QPR team. Chrissy Willock's back on the bench. Let's go. We were playing against the Canaries tonight up in oh, yeah. yeah, big game. Um, what did you say? Uh, four nil. Yeah, I'm gonna join in that four nil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. City too good. Fulham good, but not good enough because no one really. Sometimes maybe good. Sometimes maybe shit. Uh, Nottingham Forest versus Brentford here. Um, interesting game. Because, I mean, Forrest, uh, they beat Liverpool, got battered by Arsenal. Yeah. Brentford, um, yeah, they are what they are, aren't they? Yeah, they're kind of... They're in a bit of a weird one. Yeah, a bit of a dry spell at the moment. It's no nut November, so... I don't know what that was. (laughs) Two days in, mate. (laughs) Oh, fuck it up. A bit of a dry spell for Brentford, but um, I think they come... With fire. Yeah. With fire, yeah. I think they're going to... Put Forrest to the sword. I think I'm going for a 3-1 to Brentford. 3-1. I like that. I think um, Forrest, oh, yeah, Forrest do score. Ooh. I'm going to go 3-1 as well. Uh, Why are you <laughs> <in> that face? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, just copied your city. Yeah, result, exactly. Yeah. Uh, this it's, it's all swings and roundabouts, baby. This guy. Um, Wolves versus Brighton. This could be a potentially interesting game. Like Until Wolves get a manager in, though, yeah. I'm sort of like, fucking Why? What's the point of even playing? I think Brighton have way too much. Of yeah. Balls. I think the Zerby ball might be in full swing and it's yeah. very exciting to watch. Leandro Trossard, D. Welbs is going to yeah. bosh and bow. And they're starting to play that Matoma guy on the wing as well, who I think is a baller. so beautifully techy. Yeah, yeah, man. I love yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's very so nice football hipster player. Yeah, so I'm I'm back in the Zerby ball. I'm going to go for a 
two nil to Brighton. Yeah, I think Wolves under their caretaker manager have been a bit more. They haven't. I mean, they weren't like not defensively sound mm. before, but. When I got a new contract, Shout yeah, when I yeah, I got my fancy team. Do you? Yeah, oh, I don't really know why because I remember like you ain't got a fucking manager. Um, but yeah, I, I think I'm gonna join you on that. I think it might be a one nil Brighton. Okay. Um, Everton yeah. versus Leicester is the late kickoff on Saturday. Yeah. Will there be fireworks in this game? Ooh, it's got to be. Um, I like what Everton are doing at the moment. I like it a lot. I like what Leicester are doing. They're a bit resurgent. Yeah, this will be a good game actually. When you said earlier, like, who'd want to watch Leeds-Bournemouth, I would want to watch this game. So it's lucky it's on TV. Um, I think this is a bit of a goal fest because although Leicester's defence has shored up, it's still not ideal. And Everton's defence has shored up, but I think Leicester going forward are still very good. I think it's going to be a two-all draw. I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 Leicester. Ooh, an away win. Yeah, an away win for the Leicester boys. A lot of away wins, actually. I predicted Leicester, who else? Brighton, Brentford. Yeah. Crazy. Three out of the five away wins. Mad. Put that in your act. I literally never remember my predictions until I watch this back. <laughs> so we I do say it, it and then yeah, just, we actually don't just completely blank out. Yeah. Um, oh, spicy game oh, kicking off Sunday morning. Dear, oh dear, I'm nervous. These are, yeah, man, fuck your Saturday fireworks. This is the real fireworks show. It's having at two o'clock. Hanging out my arse mate, as well. Mate, Sunday, we've got big games, right? Also, why are there again four or two o'clock kickoffs? I don't know. What is going on? Um, Big game, mate. Obviously, 12 o'clock, though. Oh, no, it's three, two, three o'clock two o'clockers. Uh, 12 o'clock on a Sunday. I'm going to be hanging out What's my going on? at 12. Jesus Breaking Christ. all the rules. Um, but yeah, Chelsea versus Arsenal at Stanford Bridge. Arsenal looking peppy. Chelsea looking peppered, peppered down the Potter. Yeah, I don't know. I think notoriously we have been quite good against Chelsea recently. Two wins at Stamford Bridge in the last two seasons, right? Yeah. So last year I think we did six pointer on them. So I and form would suggest that we beat them, but the elusive but about me and Hattrick. They have the Aubameyang factor. They also have the Graham Potter factor. We always struggled against Graham Potter when he was at Brighton. So, I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park. Smooth sailing. I don't think so. I think it's a draw. And I think I'd take a draw. Points on the board against the difficult... Yeah. yeah. I think it's a two-all draw. Two-all draw. Ah, mate. Fuck that. I have faith in the Gunners. I am ready for some Arsenal dominance. So am I. Raza will not be able to raz. Aubameyang, get the fuck I'll out of here. Aubameyang, shit. Embarrass Aubameyang. Fuck me. Yeah, embarrass Yang, mate. He, he's <laughs> done. Um, yeah. Mason, mount your horse and go home, mate. Ooh. Don't even turn up. I'm saying, it's only going to be 2-0 to Arsenal, <laughs> but yeah, still. Um, I like that. But yeah, 2 not to the Arsenal boys. Sweet, sweet gunners. Um, Aston Villa versus Man United. Unai Emery's first real yes, game in charge Don here. Unai on the touchline. This is what dreams are made of. This this spells disaster for uh, Man United for me. I smell a bit of a... Um, a new manager bounce against a team that... I think Don Unai's going to come in and he's going to be like, you've got Ten Hag, you've got Conte, you've got Pep, you've got Klopp. 
you've got Mickey Arts <laughs> and you just you forgot about Don Unai. Don so, Unai's back, baby. Yeah, I'm going with a one 0 Villa. I like that. I do like that. I think I don't believe in that defence whatsoever. It's got to be one of the worst defences in the league. And I'm ninety percent sure. I don't know what the concussion protocol is in the Prem that like because I know in lower leagues if you go off concussed you actually can't play for like two three weeks. Whereas I don't know if the turnaround is that long in the Prem because uh, medical like standards are way better, aren't they? Yeah. So Martinez went off last Prem game with a concussion. And so if they were without Martinez, that could also be a bit of a problem. But I don't know how long he has to be out for. Get Shea Given back. Come on. i got Robin Olsen, who's actually a decent, yeah, he's a good keeper. decent backup. But um, yeah, I think, like you, it's going to be a struggle for me. Like, I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. 1-0 one draw. Yeah. What was your Arsenal prediction? A 1-0 draw? 2-0 draw. 2-0 draw. Yeah. Oh, two draws to kick off Sunday. Yeah. Um, Southampton versus an informed Newcastle. This Southampton off the... The back of a loss against Crystal Palace. Um, this has got a Newcastle battering all over it. Yeah, I'm. I, just, I don't know. I'm gonna go two 0 Newcastle. Enough said. I'm gonna go three one Newcastle. Three one. Yep. War Prowse free kick potentially. Yeah, I think they can see because it's on TV. I think everybody gets a little bit gassed on TV. Fair enough. <laughs> um, West Ham versus Crystal Palace, a London derby. Very well, two yeah. teams that need the points. Yeah, West Ham would be disappointed coming out of the United game without a point. Mm. Palace shown glimpses of a fantastic team. Um, obviously, they come off uh, 1-0 victors against uh, Southampton. But um, I think it's going to be a tight game. I think West Ham are the better team. Yes, but West Ham have Europa League tomorrow night. Which is a problem. It is indeed. Yes. So maybe tired legs. What's will the lead Europa League to... tune or the advert? Where it's like Europa Thursday nights. Oh, Europa nights. <laughs> Can't have been in the Europa League it's too long. Co- it's Europa Conference League as well. I've been in the yeah it is. Um yeah I've been in Europa League too long. Get me out of it. Get me out of the Europa League. Um yeah all right. Bang me with a score. Uh, I'm gonna go for a. It's low scoring. I'm gonna go one nil West Ham. I'm going to go for a 2-1 West Ham. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then to round it up, Woo! what a fixture. Spurs host Liverpool. Mate, this is going to be the game. Liverpool are back. Two teams fresh off of Champions League victories. Victories, yes, indeed. Liverpool are going to... This is the game that was going to ignite the spark that sends Liverpool into a top four place finish at the end of the season. Liverpool didn't look that good against Napoli. Don't care, mate. Don't, don't care. care. I think don't Liverpool... Care. I don't... Spurs aren't going to be able to cause Liverpool the problems that they cause other teams with their, their style of and football. And Napoli are better than Spurs, so... Yeah, mate. I think if Konate uh, is still in the starting eleven, I think that's a massive boost. I think Konate is a phenomenal player. Mm. And uh, I think big uh, Darwin's going to start. I think Darwin's going to get on the st- score sheet. Yeah, so do I, actually. I think he runs a muck of that defence. I'm going 4-0 Liverpool. Jeez, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I've backed Spurs pretty much every game week in every prediction. Now they're getting a tump. Now they're getting getting toasted for it. Let's go. I also think Liverpool are going to do them. I don't think 4-0. I would bloody love Spurs to catch a a 4-0 shegging. But I'm going to say Liverpool's defence, they don't do it for me. So Spurs are going to get on the score sheet. But... It's going to be 3-1 Liverpool. Ooh, not too dissimilar. Yeah, right. Well, 
that just about rounds up our uh, game predictions. Yeah, boy, we're nearing the World Cup. We've, oh, got, we've got some good I'm World excited. Cup content yeah. coming. So make sure you subscribed. As always, we're trying to hit big one, Hunter. It'd be sick if we could hit it. If we get 100 before the World Cup. I'm not that optimistic. But surprise me. I, if we get only takes, It only takes 40 more people to smack if the If we button. get 100 by the end of the World Cup, we'll do a giveaway. We'll give something away. We'll give something away. We'll give away the World Cup. Come on, I'll go... We'll, we'll get it off Gareth after we've won it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, big vibes. But yeah, no, we'll do a giveaway if we hit 100 subs. Ros will sing, push the button. Uh, push, push the, the button, button and let me know. Before. Push the button and subscribe right yeah, now. Do on. it. Um, as always, Follow our five socials. stars on Spotify, Twitter, Insta, Tiki Toki, all that good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, look out for the World Cup content because it's coming and it's going to be good. It's going to come thick. It's going to come fast. Um... Everyone's in though, not November, but the the thing that is coming is our content. So, Jeez, check it out, please. Check go. it out, please. Anyway, guys, it's been Bordeaux. Thank you very much for listening, and it's live. <laughs>